all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Good morning to everybody on this fine fall morning. We are taking your calls during the hour concerning any type of healthcare issues that you might have or someone in your family, or maybe it's a friend who has some of those issues. Feel free to call us this morning. We will be fielding those calls. If you'll uh, go ahead and call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. If you're not able to call in this morning, or maybe you have a question later, you can always send us an email. Please send those to uh, remedy at mpbonline.org. We also uh, have previous programs archived on our website. So if you'll go to mpbonline.org, you can always catch those. I know a lot of people uh, sort of have to go in and out on listening to the program, and maybe you didn't catch all of a person's question or the answer to that question. Uh, you can go online uh, usually within about 24 hours and uh, search for Southern Remedy on the website. Again, that's mpbonline.org uh, to find those archive programs and listen to them at your leisure. Uh, but we would love to hear from you and I'm always glad to uh, hear from our listeners. Um, I spoke to one of my patients who listens uh, uh, frequently to the program and they said, you know, it's just amazing the different calls we get from so many different people, and it seems to resound with a lot of the issues that they have. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when you call in, you're not the only person in the state or even in our surrounding states that tune in to Southern Remedy that may have that problem. There's certainly a lot of people out there that are probably asking those same questions or dealing with those same issues. So we'd encourage you to call in today and call in early in the hour. We usually have more time to uh, spend on our calls early in the hour and Unfortunately, you have to sort of squeeze in uh, some uh, time, which limits the amount of time that we can spend on each caller. So if you uh, want that question answered, go ahead and call in now. I just gave you permission to be the first caller on Southern Remedy. Again, that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Well, I do hope everybody is enjoying this uh Fall weather, we've had a great uh, couple of, like last couple of days or even, even a week of uh, not quite so much humidity and not quite so much heat. And I know a lot of people are out there enjoying that. Uh, spoke to some uh, high school athletes and uh, they were uh, in cross country and some races and uh, certainly enjoying that. And uh, it's amazing how those times decrease uh, for a 5K when you uh, lower the temperature about 10 degrees and, uh, and the humidity about, about as much. So got it, for everybody who can do that, uh, uh, you know, I hope that everybody's getting outside on late in the evening or on the weekends and enjoying that with your family. It's a great time to take, um, uh, take um, an opportunity to do that. 
uh, particularly uh, when we're trying to still social distance and uh, wear a mask. I know a lot of people are getting outside and certainly happy to do that uh, in ways that are uh, still protecting all of us as uh, we move into the fall. We do have some concerns, you know, with uh, coronaviruses in general. They uh, tend to ramp up with the fall and winter months in the same way that influenza does. And we want to encourage everybody to not become lax in trying to protect yourself and others from the coronavirus, uh, to continue to social distance, to think about the ways in which you interact with people, particularly large groups of people, uh, and to wear a mask, if you're gonna, particularly if you're going to be uh, either inside or close to someone else. So continue to do that. And it's a good time to go ahead and get your flu vaccine. You know, the flu vaccine is available in most places. It's starting to roll out. Uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I would encourage everybody to go ahead and do that. Lots of questions about that. I've had questions from my own patients. Is it safe to get that if you get coronavirus? Uh, the answer to that question is yes. The flu vaccine, uh, certainly as in past years, is a safe and something that you need to get. Certainly all vaccinations have the potential for some people to have some reactions, but there's much more of a risk of having complications from the flu uh, than it is to get the uh, vaccine. And what we know from the, the uh, early cases of coronavirus this year were that if you had influenza or any other illness at the same time, you tended to do worse uh, with uh, the development of COVID. And another reason for getting it too is just uh, general resource allocation. So we typically have uh, a lot of patients that get hospitalized with flu in the hospital during this time of year and into the, into the winter and early spring months. Uh, and with the potential for having increased COVID cases as we move into that time period, um, the less that we have both of COVID and of influenza, the, the better that's going to be. So go ahead and get your flu vaccine. We've talked also in the past on previous programs about um, a uh, a different um, dose of it, a higher dose for individuals 65 years of age and older. That is a good idea just because of our immune system sort of aren't quite up to speed as they were as we get older. That's certainly the case for a number of things, uh, not just influenza, but that uh, increased dose, if it's available, is uh, certainly uh, helps to uh, sort of boost the immune system's response in those individuals who are 65 years of age or older. If you don't have access to that, don't delay it, go ahead and get it. A lot of people are saying too, is it too early to get it? Not really, we've already seen some flu in the, uh, in the uh, local uh, area, um, flu B, uh, which is the one that uh, causes more GI symptoms. So just keep that in mind and uh, encourage you to do that. And then also encourage you to go ahead and not delay. We've had to delay early on some screenings of different things, things like colonoscopies and mammograms and pap smears. It's probably a good idea to go ahead and get those. Um, it's a great time right now. The screening procedures that we have in place at most of those, for most of those uh, uh, procedures, uh, it's very safe, uh, very little chance of you getting coronavirus from those procedures. Most people are getting them, again, with group activities outside of medical clinics and so forth. So uh, schedule those with your physician. We certainly uh, have seen in the news uh, things like colon cancer, uh, particularly with Chadwick Boseman, the actor who was in Black Panther and other uh, films of dying of uh, metastatic colon cancer and 
that's something that certainly we can prevent um, with early detection with a colonoscopy and decrease your risk of both developing it uh, and in treatment of it too. So if you're 50 or older or you've had a first or second degree relative that had colon cancer, uh, talk to your doctor about getting those um, as recommended at least every 10 years, maybe uh, you know three to five years, depending on what they find when they do that. So those are some preventive medicine type things that uh, we want to encourage you to do. If you have any questions about those kinds of issues or any other issue, maybe it is a new medication that your doctor puts you on. Maybe it's a new diagnosis or maybe some symptoms that you don't quite have a diagnosis. Call us this morning right now at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about a couple of emails. Uh, I have one here that I'm pulling up. Uh, it says, "Good morning, Dr. Jimmy. Thanks for taking my email. I have calluses on both uh, the front part of my feet, close to the toes. I've had them for many years using various treatments. I uh, once visited a podiatrist and was recommended to change footwear. I did this, and since that visit, I wear a well-known orthotic shoe brand." The calluses aren't any larger, but recently my toes are feeling somewhat numb and sometimes tingle. I do have stenosis in my neck and I have osteoporosis. Is there a relationship between these issues and the numbness and occasional tingling? I'm 66. Uh, should I be concerned and go back to the doctor? If so, should I go back to a podiatrist or someone else? So great question. You know, feet are one of those things that a lot of people have problems with, particularly as you get older. Our feet change. And if you think about it, all the wear and tear that we have day in and day out to our feet certainly can uh, can have some of those degenerative changes over time. Uh, in addition to that, we also have, uh, you know, our feet do change in shape. Uh, they tend to get a little bit bigger and wider as you get older. Sometimes you can have problems with your arches. A lot of that is associated with chronic medical conditions like obesity. If you weigh more, it just stands to reason you're putting more and more uh, pressure on and, uh, and weight on, the, on your feet day after day. So uh, the answer is not to get totally off your feet. We still want you to be active, but Re-examining your footwear can be something that uh, is the first step in doing that. So our caller was right on the money with doing that, going to a podiatrist. Now, a podiatrist is a specialized, uh, has some specialized training in the feet, and certainly in particular with types of shoes and orthotics, which if you're not familiar with that term uh, that our emailer mentioned, an orthotic is an insert that goes into the shoe. So it's Sort of like an insole, except it's a little bit more uh, rigid and it's uh, molded in certain ways to uh, help with foot dynamics and your walking uh, and day-to-day -day activities and maybe to change that a little bit. So there is an evaluation that's involved in that. Um, probably not a good idea just to go and buy one yourself, uh, an orthotic, but the true orthotics are the ones that podiatrists use. Now, if you're having tingling or numbness in your feet or toes, certainly if you have pressure in certain areas, as our listener mentioned in his email, that could certainly cause some pressure on the nerves that go to the feet. But there's many other things that can cause that too. One of the things that we lose the ability to do as we get older, uh, so if you're 66, you're not old yet, but you're certainly older, 
um, is the ability to um, to absorb vitamins in our diet. So B12 is one of those things that I always check. It's an easy test to run. It's just a blood test that you can run on a patient if they have um, if they have numbness in their feet and or hands. That's one of the things we can check. The other thing to keep in mind is our listener mentioned is that they have stenosis, which is a narrowing uh, in the canal on the neck uh, and then osteoporosis. So changes in our bone structure, certainly at other areas, not just in the foot, particularly if it's in the lower back or upper back, sometimes that can cause some pain and or weakness or numbness in the lower extremities too. So, I, you know, really to sum all this up, I probably would go back to your medical doctor at this point since you've sort of gone down the route of the podiatrist right now. They may send you back to the podiatrist to get a reevaluation, but there's other medical problems that you probably should be screened for. I mentioned vitamin B12 deficiency is one. Uh, there are other neurologic conditions that go along with things like diabetes and certain other chronic conditions that you may need to be screen for. So that would be a first step. And certainly I wouldn't put it off. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it is really just debilitating to have chronic pain or tingling or numbness in your feet. And if it's numbness, you can do a lot of damage because of that lack of feedback that we have about our environment. So thank you for that uh, email. Certainly uh, the feet are something that we all uh, sort of struggle with and from time to time with different things. And uh Hope uh, that you get a good answer from your physician. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, taking your calls about any kind of health care issue that might be affecting you or your family or maybe a friend. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to our first caller of the hour. Let's go to uh, Bennett from Poplarville, Mississippi. Good morning, Bennett. Uh, my bad, Dr. Jimmy. It's Beckett. Oh, Beckett. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Beckett, go ahead. That's all right. I actually get called Bennett all the time. Um, <laughs> I, I was listening to you uh, respond to that lady's email about uh, her uh, foot issue, and I, uh, I have a problem on my left foot uh, right behind my big toe. I have, I guess it's a bunion, and it just rubs the fire out of it every day in my shoes. By the time I get home, it's just red and 
real uh, just sore and swollen. And is there anything that could actually be done about that, or is it just something I kind of got to live with? Yeah, Becca, it's, so if it's a bunion, which is just some excess tissue from increased pressure right there, there are two things that can be done. One is to see a podiatrist so that they can sort of work on that area. And sometimes you can do some, uh, you know, particularly if it's a really big bunion, you can uh, sort of sand that down. I know that sounds terrible, but they can work on it in ways to can make it a lot better. And then footwear is another thing. So, um, you know, you can have uh, the toe box, you know, with the, the uh, can be too narrow in some ways. And usually a bunion develops from increased abnormal increased pressure to a certain area. And again, as we get older, our feet change. I know mine have gotten, mine were started out wide and have gotten wider. So I have to uh, look for shoes that, uh, you know, are much more comfortable uh, and, and, uh, and wider in the, particularly in the toe box area. But I would see a podiatrist and most of the time you can uh, make that appointment by yourself. You don't have to go through your physician and do that. If it's something like a bunion, that's certainly, they, they have a lot of expertise with that and they make it even you know even if you don't if you require certain footwear for your work for instance or other things they could make some suggestions about that or maybe even just take out the insole and do something a little bit different with an orthotic but that's right. that's what i would do and, and certainly there's a lot of over-the-counter things that help sort of redistribute the pressure in certain areas but if you got a big bunion that's probably not going to be the best thing um, there are some other things that can mimic that and can go along with bunions. One is called a Morton's neuroma, which is usually between the big toe and the, the, uh, the second toe area. Um, but it's, a, it's an abnormal growth of cells around the main nerve that feeds that area. That can be pretty painful. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times that uh, will take a little bit more uh, work than just the podiatrist seeing you. But if it's just a bunion, I think they're perfectly fine to uh, to handle that. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like something that could be shaved out. It feels like it's the whole bone sticking out, but uh, I wear extra wide boots. I get the double E's, and, it, uh, and I have, like, the Dr. Scholl's working feet uh, insoles, but it, it's just been something that I just kind of deal with because I'm on my feet all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I get them to look at it, though. I, I think you can still hang on to the boots, and they can take out maybe the insole and then mold something particularly to your feet that take off a little bit of the pressure in that one area. I think if they do that, you may have a big improvement. And once you start to do that and redistribute the pressure, then um, the foot can sort of remodel over time, and you may you may see it get dramatically better. All right, cool, cool. Well, thank you. All right, thanks for calling, Beckett. Let's go to Sue in Biloxi, Mississippi. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Uh, yes. Um, my problem is plantar fasciitis, and I know all the routine and everything. And uh, But what I'm calling about is the other day you were talking to a lady. I turned in at the end of the conversation. She had named a cream she uses successfully. And I did not get the name of the cream for plantar fasciitis, please. So, so I, I can't remember the name, the, like the brand name of it, but I remember several of the ingredients. So she mentioned like emu oil, and that's E-M-U, uh, like the bird. And then um, yeah. 
she mentioned some hemp oil in there too. So I'm not sure what exactly that the name of that was. Um, and have you seen physical therapy first? Oh yeah. I'm out. I, listen, I don't want to take your time, your time up and I'm sure there are people who have, I love your show and have lots of problems. Trust me. I have done anything and everything. And gotcha. I just thought possibly this was something that somebody had come across that, you know, sometimes these things work and or help, at least help. But, I mean, I know the whole routine, the physical therapy, the eyes, the elevated heel. I really don't want to take any more of your time. I want to thank you. I enjoy your show. Uh, is it possible you could research it? I could email you and get the name of it or – yeah, absolutely. If you will email us at remedy uh, at uh, remedy at mpbonline.org uh, right. with that question, and we can uh, dig that up. And you may want to check the archive, too, that we mentioned for the program. I think that was two weeks ago, but I may be. That's just off the top of my mind, and my mind, like my feet, are breaking down year after year. So, uh, well, but, it hasn't yeah. been any longer than that, so I will definitely go online and check the archive. And uh, I may be able to get it that way. I do love your show, though. It's wonderful. I really appreciate it. I'm at a doctor's appointment with my husband right now, so I'm cutting it short. But thank you so much, doctor. Thank (laughs) you. You're welcome. And thank thank you you for listening. We appreciate it. Let's go to uh, Doris from Columbus. Good morning, Doris. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. I have a... I don't know if it's a small problem or not, but I, for the last two to three weeks, sometimes when I get up in the morning, I have dizzy, a lightheaded feeling. What could that be? Or do I need to see a, my primary care doctor? So it could be a lot of things. Um, most of the time, if you're arising from, you know, either a seated or uh, you're lying down, it could be uh, either your blood pressure or your heart rate that's not increasing appropriately fast enough. And sometimes that is something that is more accentuated just from, you know, as you get older. Uh, a lot of people have that if you jump up right quick. So what happens is blood pools in our legs and in the lower sort of dependent parts of the body. And then normally when we get up really fast, our heart rate increases and our blood pressure increases so that we can pump enough blood to our head and the rest of our body. But if you don't do that, you usually have a few seconds where your brain doesn't get enough blood flow. And basically that's when you feel that that lightheadedness. Um, and a lot of people, you know, in, in some circumstances, they may even pass out. So um, I don't, you know, you, it's a, probably a good thing to at least bring up with your physician. There are certain medications that can make that worse. So if you're on blood pressure medications, particularly things like beta blockers, so those are things that end in all like propranolol and metoprolol and bisoprolol. Um, those kinds of things can sort of blunt that heart rate increase. Uh, so you may want to talk to them about that. If it's just a couple of seconds, though, when you get up, probably the best thing is to make sure you're just a little bit slow about doing that and deliberate. Uh, but if it's throughout the day, that's one of those questions I usually ask my patients, particularly that are being treated for high blood pressure, or you have any kind of dizziness or lightheadedness, particularly when you get up from a seated or lying down position. Uh, but that's the most likely cause. There are a lot of other causes for lightheadedness, but um, that's the most 
common one. There's also other times that some people have this and uh, they can have what's called vasovagal syncope or presyncope. Syncope just means you pass out completely. Presyncope is that lightheaded feeling. And uh, these are situations particularly that involve uh, activation of certain uh, certain parts of the uh, of the neurologic system like uh, uh, when you go to the bathroom or if you strain or pick something up that's really heavy or if you get scared a lot of those uh, instances will cause you to uh, decrease your blood pressure and pass out if it's just a couple of seconds i probably would just sort of slow down as you do that if it increases in frequency call your doctor and they may want to do something a little bit different in testing there's lots of fancy tests to test for that to see if it's something other than just that that intermittent dropping of uh, blood pressure and pulse rate. Well, I am on uh, blood pressure medication, but, I, but yeah. it's not anything new. I've been on yeah. the same medication for years. But and that, also, uh, go ahead. Uh, well, I, that, I was just going to can happen. You can be on blood pressure, the same blood pressure medication for years. But as we get older, you may that need, may need to be uh, adjusted a little bit. The blood pressure may be either too low, or if, you know, depending on what types you're on, it might be dropping your heart rate. But go ahead. I, I'm sorry I interrupted you there. You were you had another train of thought. Yeah. Uh, same. Well, one one day it lasted all practically all day. And yeah. If it's it, I, I took if my it, t- uh, blood pressure. Another day, not that day, I took my blood pressure one morning when I got up and I was feeling that way, and it was lower than normal. It was like 102 over something. Yeah, then I, I think you, yeah, I think that you probably should call your physician about that. They may need to adjust those medications, and that's a good thing to do. If you do feel that way and you check your blood pressure and your blood pressure's low around those times, and as you said, it's you know happening throughout the day and it's not just um it's not just intermittent um it, i it i would give it, them a call it, it doesn't just start it's when i get up in the morning it's right it's like this and the thing about blood pressure is you have to keep in mind the lows and the highs so all of our blood pressure well the the blood pressure medication that we tend to to put people on is long acting so it lasts all day long so uh, what we had, particularly as people get older, what we should be asking is, are you having these episodes like you're describing? And then we may have to either back off the blood pressure, back off the dose, or maybe change medications, or maybe change the timing of when we give that blood pressure medication. So uh, the, the, the lows are just as important as the highs, because if it gets too low, we're not getting enough blood flow to the brain, to the heart, to other organs, and that's bad. So we and can cause a lot of problems like passing out, falling down. You could break a hip or hit your head. So lots of things like that. So I definitely, with what you just described, would call your physician and say, hey, I'm having these episodes. Describe them just like you did to me. And then uh, also tell them that you checked your blood pressure and it was low and give them those numbers that you gave. And I would think they're probably going to want to back off the blood pressure doses a little bit. Now, you said there's some tests that, that the doctor can do. Uh, what kind of tests? Is it blood tests? 
No, there's some other fancy tests that they can test to make sure that your nervous system is hooked up to the blood vessels and acting right. So basically, they put you on a table. It's called a tilt table test. Honestly, in your case, I think with those numbers that you gave, they would want to look at the blood pressure medication. They may can just make some adjustments, and if it gets better, you wouldn't have to have those tests. There's not really a blood test to test if you know for these kinds of symptoms. It's mainly just sort of it's some other fancy tests, but I don't think you're quite there yet. I think just a good look over of your medica current medications and maybe either backing off the dose of it or maybe changing one or two of them, I think that would probably be the first step. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, taking your questions and calls about any kind of healthcare issue that you might be dealing with this morning and uh, enjoying uh, at least a look out the window at the nice weather. I hope to enjoy that uh, maybe later this afternoon, early night. Uh, it's just gorgeous out there. Man, the sun set last night with not a cloud in the sky. Just really beautiful. Full moon, I think, either tonight or tomorrow night. Uh, so get out there and enjoy some uh, clean, crisp air. So lots of good questions and comments this morning. The number to call if you have a question is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you'd like to email us, send those to remedy at uh, mpbonline.org. All right, let's go to uh, Zachary in Purvis. Good morning, Zachary. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, I was calling uh, back in 2001. I had a uh, car accident where I had a closed head injury. And lately I've been having, well, I've, always, I've had like a lot of headaches since then. But lately I've been having these headaches where like I get kind of dizzy when I have a headache or after the headache goes away, I get kind of dizzy. Um, I've been to the doctor about it a couple of times, and one time she prescribed me some painkillers, but I, I don't like taking prescribed medication, like, all the time, because she told me to take it, like, every day, and I feel like that that would have, you know, an effect on my liver, so I, I didn't want to take it, like, every day, but I would take it now and, now and then, but it seems like the only thing that works for my headaches is, Excedrin tension. 
Yeah, it's uh, so headaches are common after what we call a closed head injury like that. So any kind of severe trauma to the head can cause some long-term symptoms like you're having, unfortunately. Uh, headaches, uh, certainly, you know, there's a lot of worse cases, things like seizures. And all these things are, you know, the damage that's done inside your head during a, a um, accident like that or, or an episode like that. Those uh, those injuries are structural changes, and then you can have some problems right. later on. I'm a, in agreement with you. I'm not a big fan. Certainly, pain you know pain medications are great if you're having really severe pain, but if you have to take those on a daily basis, it's probably not a good idea to do that. Just from the side right. effects that you can have, and in particular, if it's something like the opioid painkillers, we know that tons of you know problems that you can have with that. It's fairly easy. Uh, in those situations to become dependent upon those long-term. Um, are you by chance seeing a neurologist for this or is this your regular doctor? Regular doctor. I saw a neurologist uh, for a little while after the accident because I had to do like rehab and stuff like that. But right. uh, I haven't had an appointment with one since. It's been been a couple of years. I, I think it's probably worthwhile to do that. And here's the reasons why, because, um, you know, they can, there may be some other uh, medications that you can take that aren't in particular pain medications, but that might help to sort of alleviate some of those things. And it might right. be worthwhile getting another, uh, you know, look at the structural changes that might be there. Um, Cause it might help them know exactly what to do. So something like a CT scan of the head, they may want to look right. at that, particularly if your your symptoms have changed over time. It's not that unusual, though, to have that. Um, you know, a lot of people will have this after a, a head injury like that. And uh, But there are some newer medications, particularly for chronic pain that's sort of uh, that's akin to what you're dealing with that don't have those side effects is, is taking something that might help prevent that. And, and right. they would be the experts in, you know, in knowing that. In some cases, depending on, um, you know, depending on where you go, there may also be some uh, head injury uh, clinics that specialize in that. Um, you know, you may be in a waiting room with a bunch of football players, but um, that's the kind, same kind of you know, issues that you can have with concussions, with either right. serious concussions or multiple concussions. So that's what I would do. I would get a referral from your doctor to a neurologist. And in particular, okay. if you can find a neurologist that, that's sort of a, an area that they're interested in, in head injuries and co long-term complications. That'd be the best person. Yes, sir. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for calling. We appreciate you. All right. Let's go to uh, Pam in Amory, Mississippi. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, doctor. Um, I was diagnosed a couple of years ago with advanced uh, macular degeneration at age 59. Uh, I'm seeing a retina specialist at this time, and she gave me doxycycline antibiotic, 200 milligrams twice daily uh, for an indefinite period of time as uh, something new they're kind of looking at. That seems like a lot of, uh, a large dose of an antibiotic every day for an indefinite period of time. Um, she hasn't really told me anything about the success rate of that. I have the drive. Uh, macular degeneration, not the wet, so that mm -hmm. I don't take uh -huh. the shot. 
I was just curious yeah. of, of your opinion on the long-term dose of an antibiotic like that. Yeah, so doxycycline has been around a long time. Um, so it's been used to treat all kinds of different things um, from skin and soft tissue infections to other infections, um, things like tick-borne illnesses sometimes, and even acne in some uh, cases. So doxycycline, that actually, you know, doses vary with, from antibiotic to antibiotic. So you can have some antibiotics that have, you know, 10, 15, 20 milligrams maybe, and then some that have a thousand or more milligrams. You can't really equate that. So 200 milligrams a day, I think is what you said of the doxy. It's actually not that bad and a dose. There are a lot of people, elderly people, for instance, that have chronic uh, urinary tract infections that are on a similar dose of doxycycline and can be on it for years. Now, any antibiotic that you take for uh, and in your case, it's not necessarily for an infection. It's probably for the interaction. I'm not really sure, you know, what data that they're pulling from on that. Uh, doxycycline and other antibiotics like it, they do have some other different effects on the body. So it, it, there's probably something that a study that somebody's done. You're seeing the right people, retina specialists for that. Um, but, um, you know, as far as long-term effects with that, the biggest one is the side effect of sensitivity to the sun. Uh, so anytime you take doxycycline, even if you're just taking it for five to seven days for a uh, skin infection, for instance, you can have a horrendous sunburn with that. So it makes you a lot more sensitive to sunlight. Um, now, any antibiotic that you take for long periods of time, you might develop resistance. Doxycycline is not one of those that we really see that a whole lot. And there's not you know, there are other alternatives should you develop resistance to doxycycline. So I think it's fairly safe to do that. Again, the, the biggest side effect that I would think would you might have is the uh, sensitivity to sunlight, even in just taking it once a day. Uh, most of the time, if you're treating an infection, you take it twice a day. Uh, but 200 milligrams, you know, it's sort of a medium dose of that. 100 milligrams would be what I would start out with if I was treating an infection. So it's not that big a dose of it, just taking it once a day. Um, but that that would be the long-term side effect, I would think. And I don't know if they're going to give you a trial of a certain amount of time to do that. You know, it's sort of uh, dependent, again, upon the data that they have. Right. It's uh, Right now, it is two times a day, 200 milligrams. Oh, okay. Daily. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the normal dose for, like, if I'm treating an infection or something like that. Right. So far, I have had no issues as far as any problems. Uh, with it, um, and it, of course it does, like you said, help the skin, um, and because it sloughs off, um, she was thinking that it, or so the studies show that it might slough off, um, she describes it as like shells on my eyes, because um, I do have some pretty significant issues with uh, AMD so far at such a very young age, so she wanted me to try this for just an indefinite period of time. And I was just curious yeah. about the long term. Yeah, that's that that would be yeah, that so so that would be the only long term thing I could think of would be the skin sensitivity. Certainly wear sunblock if you're gonna be outside or, or cover up. Um and then I fairly low, you know, chance of just take if you're just taking that of other, you know, uh sort of super infections with bacteria that have become resistant to different things and Again, we, that's one of the medications that you can use for long-term sort of what we call prophylaxis of 
uh, recurrent urinary tract infections or other things like that. So fairly safe. And actually, it's been used in other treatments for months um, for like in, in certain uh, uh, bacterial infections of soft tissue or bone. A lot of times we'll find that that bacteria or uh, sensitive to that in, uh, individual uh, antibiotic. And you can, you know, you can put people on three, six months of that. So um, not a whole lot of side effects long term other than the ones we talked about in those situations. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions about any kind of healthcare issues that you might be dealing with. We've had everything from the feet to the eyes to everything in between today. So uh, lots of uh, good content as usual. This is the one thing I love is that, uh, you know, just the issues that you have going on right now, certainly thematic programs are great and uh, it's great to have experts on. And uh, uh, certainly uh, that those are really needed. And so from time to time we do that too on the Southern Remedy, but uh, the best thing I love is, is hearing those individual um, individual questions that you might have about your current health care problems. So the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. As we get towards the end of the hour, you may have, uh, you know, be thinking about things. I usually do this sort of last moment, or if I'm in the room with the patient after, right as I get to the doorknob, we call these doorknob questions of our patients that your memory sort of jogs in those last moments of your visit. You say, oh, doc, by the way, I forgot about this. So uh, if you're up against the hour and maybe you had a question or comment that you couldn't get to uh, or you didn't have the opportunity to call, please email us. We do try to uh, answer those as quickly as we can uh, and then share those as pertinent with, uh, you know, as as uh, if we think that they're something that the rest of our audience would uh enjoy and uh, learning from or hearing from. So the, the email address is remedy at mpbonline.org. Then I have a question about uh, vaccinations too, you know, and I mentioned earlier flu vaccination, certainly something that's going on right now. Um, and uh, the question was, you know, are sort of the, the differences and similarities with the flu vaccine uh, and the development of a COVID vaccine the flu vaccinations, actually every vaccination, sort of the cutoff point for most of those 
before they can make it to widespread use is about 50%. So if they're 50% effective uh, in preventing the illness or decreasing the severity of the illness, though that's sort of a successful type thing. Um, and they're asking, the question was, is that going to be the same kind of thing that they're looking for with COVID? That's actually is the, uh, the cutoff for that. So a uh, little bit similar and uh, certainly vaccinations are something that, uh, you know, people are interested in, uh, particularly right now. And, uh, Research is ongoing with that. I'm not sure we're going to have it quite in the next few weeks, as promised by a lot of people. But uh, certainly you want to make sure that they're uh, efficient and do what they say and safe at the same time. Let's go to Sue from Beaumont. Thank you. You've been uh, patiently waiting there on the line. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I've had a friend who had a lot of gastrointestinal complaints and was just diagnosed with having Helicobacter pylori and put on antibiotics. And I'm wondering, uh, since it is a bacteria, how contag- is it contagious in any way? How, how do you get that helicobacter? Yeah, so that one's it's one that lives in your stomach in an acid environment, and it can make you more susceptible to ulcers mm-hmm. uh, and chronic gastritis. So it is, it do, you do have to treat it with a pretty complicated regimen of, you know, about three or four different medications at once. There's different ways to treat it. Uh, and some of those are antacid, almost always have an antacid medication in there and an antibiotic or two antibiotics. You can eradicate that in most people. Uh, it can come back. Most people think it's something that we swallow, either in food. Uh, you might can get it from person to person, but we don't really know all those things. So it's not something that you can get contagious like the flu or COVID or those kinds of things. Uh, so if it's a friend of yours that has that and has been treated, I think if you're, you know, even in close proximity, you're probably very low risk of getting that. It is pretty common, though, particularly in the setting of, um, you know, of chronic GI complaints. So uh, common thing, uh, certainly if you have recurrent gastritis or uh, gastroesophageal reflux symptoms, heartburn symptoms, go uh, tell your doctor about that. You can test. There are several different ways to test. You can test the stool for it from a stool sample or a breath test for it. So uh, or uh, blood test. So keep that in mind. But yeah, Sue, thanks for that question. Uh, certainly something that we can, uh, that you can, you can have, but not that uh, transmissible for, uh, from person to person. All right, we're going to try to squeeze in Mark from Magnolia. Mark, we got about uh, two minutes uh, left. Uh, so what's your question this morning? I, uh, I've got a question. Uh, about three months ago, I had to have dental surgery, and that night after surgery, I developed insomnia real bad. I went about two weeks without probably getting about two hours of sleep a night. Well, my doctor prescribed me trazodone, started me out at 50 milligrams, and then had to bump it up to 100 milligrams. Well, I finally got to the point to where I could go to sleep the minute I went to bed, but for whatever reason, I wake up at 3 o'clock or around 3 o'clock every morning, and I just don't understand what's what's going on. Uh, have you taken anything like melatonin, did you say? Well, I've been taking melatonin for years. I take one and a yeah. half milligrams of melatonin, and then he prescribed me trazodone, so I take the melatonin along with the trazodone. Yeah, real real quick, Mark, as we're up up against the clock, but uh, you you might need to take something a little bit different. Um, So sometimes a short course of things like Ambien can help with that to sort of reset your clock. It's common if you've had an interruption in that, and you can have it for with anesthesia. You can have it with you know uh, chronic or acute illnesses that come up. 
And if that doesn't work, I probably would go to a sleep specialist. Uh, you don't have to go to them if you just have uh, obstructive sleep apnea. There's other different things that they might can do uh, to look at that and sort of reset your clock. But it sounds like you've, you've definitely uh, tried some of the most common things. But um, if I would maybe give that one more shot with your physician and say, hey, can I go see a sleep specialist to try to do that? Everybody needs sleep. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.